Every Sunday in one way or another as we walk our way through the Lord's Prayer, we've been saying that sometimes there's a tendency for things that we memorize and we say with frequency for them just to become uh, a part of the routine and, and we don't really pause to think about what we're praying, what we're saying in those powerful words. So this morning we're going to consider the second of a set of companion phrases. Last week it was, thy kingdom come, and this morning it is, thy will be done. And for both of them, there is added, on earth as it is in heaven. So we're going to begin with an assumption, and that's simply this, God's will is never thwarted. And of course, there's no question about that in heaven. But here on earth, with all this free will stuff going on, how can God's will always be accomplished? I mean, we look forward to the perfection of heaven when everything is set right. And it says in Revelation 21 that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Heaven is a return to the perfection of the Garden of Eden when sinfulness and selfishness no longer reign and there is absolute perfection. And so we're acknowledging that, that heaven is the standard for thy will be done. It's where everything is set right and perfection reigns and God's will is always perfectly accomplished. But the question remains, what does it mean when we talk about God's will being done on earth? As a matter of fact, when you pray, thy will be done, it is both an affirmation and a petition. It is both a statement of fact and a request that God will do it. So let's think about both facets. When you pray, thy will be done, it is a statement of fact. Just as in heaven, God's work on earth will never be thwarted. But the question is, how does that dovetail into this amazing gift that God has given to all of us, the gift of free will to make our own choices? Doesn't that change the fact that God's will is being done here on earth? I mean, the question is, how can God grant us the ability to make our own choices and at the same time have everything under his control? Now, the Bible's full of passages about the will of God. How about this one from the great King David, his prayer in 1 Chronicles 29. He said, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. 
And it's not just in the Old Testament, it's, a, it's in the New Testament. The apostle put it this way in reference to Christ in Colossians chapter 1. He said, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in him everything might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Well, the, the theological term for thy will be done is sovereignty. It means that the Lord will always accomplish his purposes. And the decisions he allows us to make are absorbed into his plan for our lives. Now, logically, that seems impossible. How can God let us have free will and ultimately be in control of his world all at the same time? And logically, that's hard to figure out, but practically, we see it happen all of the time. Not just in our own lives, but in all of history. And it's demonstrated over and over again in the Bible through prophecy delivered and prophecy fulfilled. You know, the Bible is full of, of hundreds of prophecies about Jesus that are all fulfilled in his life. Let's just take one. It was clearly acknowledged by everybody, even before Jesus' coming, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. However, Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth. So how did they get to Bethlehem? It took a decree of the Roman Empire to get them there at the precise time when Jesus would be delivered as a baby and if you stop to think about how many human decisions over a period of 450 or 500 years had to take place for that decree to happen at just the right time to bring Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, it's mind-boggling. It has to do with the development of nations. And it has to do with specific timing in exactly the right moment. And when you think about how all of that had to come together and how God superintended it all, it's beyond belief. But this much I know. When God makes a promise, he makes it happen. And when you pray, thy will be done on earth, you are affirming what is true. He always accomplishes his will in the world. And by the way, that's not just in big historical events. He also works in your life. Not just in the good things. He's at work in the bad things as well. It amazes me that God can even take the poor choices you make and use them to bless your life. Every Christian needs to know and lean hard into Romans 8.28. You remember that famous verse? It says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, 
who've been called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28 does not say God works all things. It doesn't say that all things are good. It says in all things, God works for your good when you love him and are called according to his purpose. So your past, whatever it might be, good, bad, or indifferent, brings you to this moment. And in this moment, God is working in your life to bring about his will for you. He has this amazing ability to take your past, however it's been, and know that it's positioned you in this moment of time, and it's in this moment that God wants to be at work in your life. And if you love him and trust him, the Lord has this incredible ability to put the past in the past and work in the present for good to accomplish his purposes in your life. So what is God's purpose in your life? You know, sometimes we get confused about that. Perhaps we should start with what God's purpose is not. It is not God's purpose to give you what you want. It is not God's purpose to make you feel happy. It is not God's purpose to keep you healthy. He wants more than that. God's ultimate purpose for your life is to give you the opportunity to begin a relationship with him that lasts all the way into eternity. And when you believe in what Jesus has done for you at the cross and receive the gift of forgiveness that he extends to you, you begin that relationship. And he sees the end from the beginning and orchestrates the events of your life accordingly. Remember how Isaiah described it in chapter 55 of his prophecy. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So don't think you can figure it out any more than a toddler can figure out why her parents make her take a nap or won't let her touch the stove or won't let her stick something into an electrical outlet or any of a hundred things a day that seem cruel to a two-year-old but are actually meant for good. So, so when you pray, thy will be done on earth, you are affirming that God is at work in his world and at work in your life. It is a, a statement of fact. However, it is also a request. It's an invitation for God to be at work in your life. Maybe that's best illustrated in Psalm 139. In verse 1 in, in that psalm, David makes an observation. He makes a statement of fact. He acknowledges reality. It starts out with, this, with these words, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. 
You've searched me and you know me, a statement of fact. And, and through the balance of the psalm, he acknowledges God's omniscience, the fact that he knows everything, and his omnipotence, that there is nothing that can thwart his power. And that there's not one thing in his life that escapes the Lord's attention and is ultimately in his control. So he starts out with that blanket statement, you've searched me and you know me. And at the very end, he turns those same words into a prayer, into a petition. In verse 23, he says, search me, God, and know my heart. So when you say thy will be done, you are inviting the Lord to work in your life. Some of you might be thinking, well, if the Lord's already at work in my life, then why do I need to invite him to work in my life? Let's go back to our illustration in regards to children. Let's not talk about toddlers anymore. Let's talk about adolescents. If you've ever parented a teenager, you know what I'm talking about. Teenagers know that their parents are involved in their lives. Some of you are rolling your eyes right now. I can see it. It's just a fact. But there's a whole world of difference between teenagers who resent the fact that their parents are at work in their lives. You know, those are the ones who have that don't mess with me attitude. There's a whole world of difference between them and the ones who embrace the fact that their parents are at work in their lives. That's that sort of thanks for always being there for me attitude. You know, the same is true spiritually. You can know that God's at work in your life, but there's something amazing about making that invitation, opening yourself up, aligning your will with his, and saying, Lord, work in my life. I know your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm asking you to make your will done in my life that way. And just like the teenager who's wise enough to understand that his parents may do things he does not like, but he can trust them anyway because he's convinced he is loved, that's how we need to respond to the Lord. If you know very much about our family life, you know that uh, Mikey came into our family at age 13, and he came by his own choice can close my eyes and, and see Cheryl and me sitting next to him in juvenile court over in Bucyrus. And the judge turned and, and looked at him straight in the eye and he asked only one question. He said, do you want this? And, and Mikey had every opportunity to say no. And had he said no, the future would have been much different. And I've always appreciated his maturity as a 13-year-old in that moment. Because he was wise enough to know 
that running the streets the way he had been was not a good idea. And that he needed discipline in his life. And he was pretty sure there were going to be times when he would not understand or appreciate the discipline that he'd receive. But in that moment, he chose it nonetheless. And you want to know why he made that decision? He made it because he was convinced that Cheryl and I loved him and wanted what was best for him. And that choice changed his life. But not all at once. It was just the beginning. There would be many, many more small decisions along the way to accept discipline and instruction, to embrace being loved. And Mikey turns 23 next week. And over that decade, he's become an integral part of our family, not just because of the choice made one day in juvenile court, but because he's embraced a relationship that has grown through the years. It was fun for me to hear him last, a week ago Saturday, as uh, we were returning from my brother-in-law's funeral. Cheryl thanked him for rearranging his schedule and making sure that he was there for that event. And his response simply was, I love being with family. So don't fool yourself when you pray, thy will be done. Understand that you are opening yourself up for God to be at work in your life. And chances are you are not always going to like the results. Praying thy will be done is actually risky business. Because when you invite the Lord to do what he wants, he takes you up on the offer. And that's where trusting that he knows because he has a higher and better perspective is so important. Because this much I know for sure, life rarely turns out the way we anticipate it will. There are always twists and turns and changes along the way. And when you say, thy will be done, you are saying to the Lord, take whatever happens in my life and use it for good according to your purpose. Are you familiar with that famous unknown Confederate soldier's prayer? The Civil War was far away the bloodiest in American history. And each battle ended the same way. Medics would come out on the battlefield and search for survivors among the dead. And after that process was done, they would return to the battlefield a second time, trying to identify those who had lost their lives. And in the days before dog tags, the only way they knew to do that was to go through soldiers' pockets looking for identification. As the story goes, after one battle, the medics were on their gruesome search trying to identify the names of those who were lost. And, and the only thing they found in the pocket of one unknown soldier was a paper with a little poem 
written in his own hand. It was a sort of prayer. And this is what they found. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered, and I am among all men most richly blessed. Maybe like me, when we come to this subject, your mind is flooded with all sorts of questions. How could a loving, sovereign God allow such a brilliant mind to die on the battlefield? What about man's inhumanity to man? Why that soldier? Why then? It all seems like such a waste. And then I turn attention to my own life. And I say, why him? Why her? Why now? And in the middle of it all, I'm supposed to pray, thy will be done? It is not a prayer for the faint of heart. It, it, it takes a high level of confidence in the Lord's love for you. And the only way I can muster that kind of confidence is by looking to the cross. And if you wonder how much the Lord loves you, remember what he has done for you. L look to the cross. That's where he proved himself. And when you get that correct in your head, that God loves you, then you can trust him with whatever is happening in your life and with your future. Invite him to do his good work in your life and then trust that he's doing it even when you don't understand, even when you wish things were different, even when you have no idea what he's trying to teach you. As it is in heaven, Lord, so may it be on earth. So may it be in my life. Thy will be done. Will you pray with me, please? Father, so often we get caught in the trap of wanting answers, expecting an explanation. When you want us to come to you like children come to their parents, 
understanding that we might not know why, but we can still trust you because we know that you love us and that you're at work in our lives. And I don't know what's happening in the hearts and minds of everyone seated in this room this morning, but I do know that you're speaking grace into their lives. I don't know what's heavy on the hearts of those who are with us online, but I know you're there wherever they are at this moment. And you're asking us to take what we know to be true, that you are at work in your world and your will will never be thwarted and turn it into an invitation for you to work in our lives. So in this quiet moment, as we're here in your presence, we simply affirm the reality. Thy will be done. And we open ourselves and make that an invitation in our lives, Lord. Thy will be done. Amen. All right, and we are back. Episode three of the Galleon Grace Point podcast. Um, we're still in the What Did You Just Pray series, and this one is Thy Will Be Done, which companion last week's, as he said to add on, on earth as it is in heaven. I wasn't present in person for this one. Uh, my family and I were camping this weekend, doing some of the uh, last camping trick, trip stuff, uh, Halloween trick-or-treat for the kids. So I had to stream this one, um, so if you're listening to this, you just heard the sermon from Pastor Paul, and uh, first of all, I wanted to say I really enjoyed Pastor Tony's prayer. Um, he, t- he talked about giving us everything we need, not the things we think we need and the things we want, and those things that we think we need and want can cause us to lose sight of what we really need, and That'll get brought back up later in the podcast. Um, I kind of wrote it in the description last week that we're going to do a little movie review on the movie The Blind. And there was a I, I, there was a part in that movie that made me think exactly of that. But another thing that I took away from it was God being ready to step in and take control 
at a certain point in your life. He's got everything happened in your life for a reason and led you to a point, And that's when he's ready to step in the mistakes or the problems you've had in your past led you to where you are. And those things happened for a reason. And I have a feeling that that's going to really, really correlate today. <clears throat> and, um, basically to take whatever happens there and use it for the good. So, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Nate, my guest, Nate Lovely, real quick. Uh, give me his thoughts on this week's sermon. Um, before I do that, for those of you that don't know you, if I could describe Nate with two things, I would say he hates fishing, and he is a massive, massive Ohio State Buckeye football fan. Negative on all <laughs> aspects. No way. No. Just got off the boat. Great day of perch fishing. And as always, go blue. Um, from the sermon, you know, like Zach said, uh, what I took from it, you know, whatever your past is, you know, give yourself today to the Lord. And, you know, he will do great things for you, as in my situation he has. Uh, and also, any questions about his work, you know, look at the cross. He died for us, you know, and it, there's nothing nothing better than that. Uh when he makes a promise, it's always going to come true. His work will get done. Um, he's always you know, affirming what is true, always accomplished in his will in the world, good or bad. Like you, you had mentioned, he, he, he's always working, uh, even with the poor choices. And believe me, we'll get into some of my poor choices later, but uh, he will use those things to bless you uh, down the road, and uh, I'm very grateful for that. Absolutely. I, I related to that a lot. Um, definitely relates to stories I've heard, the movie we just watched, uh, what was it, last Thursday. Um, yeah, I, I don't have too much more to say on that. Uh, again, another great sermon in this series. Just keep in mind, listening to each sermon each week is giving you the reason why we're saying this prayer and not just going through the motions. So that being said... Nate, welcome on the podcast, and um, tell me about yourself. Give me a little bit of history of Nate. Born and raised in Galleon. Um, lived here all my life. I probably will not go anywhere else unless it's south for retirement many years from now. Um, as a youngster, I was uh, I was brought up in the church, and, and I did everything I thought I should do with the church, and about high school is where things started to turn for me. Um, I just, I didn't want to go anymore. I felt like I was being pressured to go. I, I, it just, it just wasn't my top priority, which it always should be. And I know that now, um, fell away from the church, um, got married at a young age. Um, we were both 21 years old. Um, it, that's been the biggest blessing for me is my wife. Um, as far as anything else, I was a three-sport athlete, love sports, um, just anything with sports. I, I, I always loved to be involved with. And you coached football for quite I some time. I coached football for 12 years, uh, 11 years in Galleon and one in Ontario. And that was, that was a great part of my life, teaching the, the young kids, you know, not only how to be a football player, but to be a man. Wish I would have had the Lord with me then 
to pass on some of those things that I know now. Right. But that was not part of my life even last two years. The last two years has been where I've, you know, given myself back to the Lord. Right. Absolutely. I think that's a very important thing, too, with coaching. Um, I was lucky enough to be coached by Coach Teg, Ryan Teglovic, who passed away a couple years ago. Great guy. Um, Great guy. One of the best men, leaders I've ever met. We stayed in touch years and years after I graduated. Um, He lived in the town that I work in constantly stayed in touch. I'd stop over and say hi, He'd see me on the route and come and say hi. Um, <clears throat> even into his last couple weeks, I'd check in with him, see if he needed anything. I remember I was mowing the lawn one day. I was like, I, I should probably see if coach needs help with anything. And still was the same guy right up until the very end, but taught me so many things. Um, definitely, definitely a lot about the Lord, but even without that, just being a man period. So even at that time, I'm sure you gave a lot of influence to those kids. And that's a big part why I do these open gyms is, yeah, I'd like seeing the kids improve their game and everything, but I more or less like having conversations with these kids and shooting around with them and getting to know them. And uh, like yesterday, uh, one of the kids that comes to open gym is on a different team at, on flag that than my son. And I'd pop over there and see how he was doing. Cause we were throwing the football and, he was wearing an Evan Mobley Cavs shirt, so we made a play called Mobley, and I asked him this week at Open Gym, I was like, do you run Mobley? He's like, yeah, we ran it, but we called it something else. My coach made us name it something else, and then I saw his older brother, and just we've got a great group of kids down there, and I'm looking forward to watching them play ball this winter. So, But you're, uh, you mentioned your wife. You've got two daughters, right? I have two daughters, uh, Aubrey, who is 22, senior at Bowling Green, captain of the Flag Corps, very proud of her, straight-A student. Uh, Maggie, who is 16, she's a sophomore, or I'm sorry, a junior at Highland, where Kim used to teach at. Uh, first year playing soccer, and she's given it everything she's got and taken the opportunities that's given to her. Not much playing time expected, but still a little disappointing in, in dad's eyes. Right. No, that's totally understandable. And one more point, I just I thought of it as you were saying, Kim, for those of you, you should know Nate, but if you don't, his lovely wife... Well, her name is lovely, but <laughs> is is uh, the singer in the worship team. So you're the she's the one you see singing every Sunday morning. Um, sorry, I had to look down here. So, give me uh, first of all, uh, how in whatever order, how you got here, or how you found the Lord after you'd kind of drifted away, or if it was one and the same. I don't know exactly, you know, why or how, but I was sitting at home on a July evening uh, two years ago. No, I'm sorry, last year. And I just broke down in complete tears and wept and wept. And anybody who knows me, I don't cry. I just, it's not, I was always taught, you know, crying is... Not for men. Yeah, exactly. So to put it nicely. Um, so I just sitting there and and I lost it. And I, I, I'm sitting there asking myself, what the heck is going on? I, I don't understand. And I just went and got my Bible and I opened it up and I just I decided I'm going to read the Bible. I don't know if this is the right thing I'm supposed to do, but I had no idea what I was supposed to do. But it felt right in the moment. Yep, felt right. And... Um, I texted, texted Kim right away and I, I told her what was going on and 
you know, you know, she said, you know, the Lord, the Lord's trying, trying to get you. you. Everything that was going on prior to that night was, I'd, I'd been with a company for 11 years. I felt like I was stuck, got passed up for promotions. I'm I'm just sitting there and everything finally just hit me. And when I did go to the Lord, uh, Four months later, I start the job that I'm currently in now, and that has been the biggest blessing, not only for my career, but for my family. Uh, I'm, I'm just a whole different guy. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So at that time, um, I don't know how exactly you want to get into it, but you know, you at the men's um, fishing charter, you gave a, a pretty moving testimony that um, I'm sure didn't just influence me, but a lot of guys there. And I thought that was incredibly brave. So I, I don't know how you want to get into that uh, conversation, but um, I think I started it out with you know, the same thing. I'll say here, I was an alcoholic and I'm a man enough to say that mm-hmm. um, anybody who had been around me for the previous 15 or 20 years already had known that, but I didn't see any issues with it. Right. And, um, or at least if you did, you probably were just blindly like, no, no, it's, it's, it's fine. I just, yeah, I just drink beer. I just, you know, excuse. There was, there was always an excuse of it's okay. And, um, it took on December 6th, I played drums here at the church on, on, I think it was December 6th on a Sunday. And, I went home, I was tired, didn't feel real well, and when I finally woke up about 5 p.m., I had no idea who I was, where I was at, and I was sitting in my recliner in my house, and what I was doing, I, I just had, I couldn't even think for myself, and Kim looked down at my knee, and I have gout, and I've had gout for years, and she looked down, and I mean, it's it's the size of two softballs. And so, me being stubborn as I am, <clears throat> she said, "You know, get up. We're going to the emergency room. We got to get this looked at. You're not right. You're not thinking straight. Your knee's swollen." <clears throat> and I fought it <clears throat> until Maggie. She said, "Dad, you're going. If I have to pick you up and drag you out of this house, you are going." So I went. And I'm laying there on the table, and finally after two bags of IVs, and I finally started to come around a little bit, I'm just sitting here thinking, what am I doing to myself? Yeah. You know, my doctor, that gout doctor, had been telling me for probably 15, 16 years, if you don't quit drinking, you're going, going to lose your knee, your foot, your something. You're, you're going to lose something because you're just all this fluid is just retaining in your system. And it's all caused because of gout caused by you drinking alcohol. Right. And just laying there, you know, that was that was the last last time I've had a drink. Yeah. So um, knock on wood, uh, I have not had an attack. I have not felt like an attack. And I haven't even taken my gout medicine for the last eight months. Wow. So it just, everything kind of, it started with the infection, and then it went to, you know, getting passed up for another promotion to breaking down that July night to going to the Lord, and everything from there has just been a blessing. Yeah, so it was almost kind of, you know, it's not like you had lost everything, but that was like your rock bottom, like I'm I'm here, 
you know, kind of that pounding the ground moment, like, and then the tears came. I, I didn't want to see my wife that way ever again. Yeah. I mean, the look on her face with me laying there, that was devastating to yeah. me. Yeah, I, I, I can believe it. I, and it was more because I felt she was disappointed in me. That's what got me. Right, right. But she loved you through it the whole time and yep. clearly saw that during that time it was the devil working in you and getting in your ear saying it wasn't a problem. Like I said, we've, we've all had those problems. I mean, I told you uh, shortly after that, that that your testimony that day led me down a different path and changed me completely, and I, I truly appreciate that. And that's why I said, you know, to take whatever happens and use it for the good. You know, I had made those decisions shortly before that. And, but it was like, God's put me right there. I mean, I can remember exactly where I was sitting. You were probably about this far from me and I had sunglasses on cause I was, you know, starting to get a little teary eyed and I called my wife right away and I was like, wow, the Nate just gave this amazing speech and told her all about it. And she was very, very happy with that phone call. And, I can totally relate the difference in a relationship when you remove those things that the devil's trying to put into your life. It is, I think people kind of think it's just a cliche saying, but it, it truly, truly is different. And I think that's a big reason why our wives were, uh, so, uh, so teary eyed at the movie on Thursday. There I know why a, my wife was for yeah, sure. Yes. <laughs> there was a lot of, re- yes. a lot of things they could relate and I, to. You know, I didn't even back to the charter. I didn't even know your name. I, I right. came up to you and I said, you know, Hey, is your name Zach? And, yeah. You know, so I've, when you're sober and you see the things happening, it's a whole different aspect because I felt like the Lord brought me to you. Yeah. And I threw myself out there and was like, I don't know how this guy's going to react. You know, I'm going to introduce myself and yeah. it is what it is. But, uh, you know, and we've grown our relationship yeah, and, you know, I, I like hanging out with you. And, yeah. You know, it's it's just a blessing of what you see when you are not underneath the devil's Absolutely. Hand. And that's what I told Pastor Paul in the first episode is like, when I got here, I, I got around this community. It really was the charter, or probably the weeks leading up to the charter, you know, meeting Neil and you guys and Jay and all those guys out on the boat and just being out there for that six, seven hours. I mean, the conversations we had, um, like I said, I'm really looking forward to the next one. And obviously we'll be doing plenty of other things in the meantime. Um, sending each other dumb jokes and pictures in the group chat and everything <laughs> that's else. That's every day, all day, normally. So yeah. that's why I, I wanted to make sure you were okay <laughs> oh, with no, that. It didn't bother me at all. I like to chime in on it. I like to chime in on it a lot. No, I appreciate that, uh, you being uh, vulnerable and doing all that there. And I think everybody was proud. Um, I can't remember exactly what verse off the top of my head right now that Pastor Paul had referenced after you mm-hmm. gave that, but uh, – it was right along the lines of, it might have actually been that one from Romans that he mentioned earlier. I think it might yes. have been. So. Yeah, I think it was uh, 828, that's I think. That's what it was, yes. Yeah. yes. Oh, that's awesome. Well, is there anything else that uh, you you want to tell us about you or anything you've got for us? Uh, obviously, everybody knows I play drums here at the church, but I also uh, have been the drummer in my father's rock and roll band for the last 26 years. Um, played back, the Hall Gross this year. Yep, uh, yep, played the Hall Gross, and that was that was great. Um, I've been playing drums since I was on pots and pans on the kitchen floor when I was two years old. So, um, 
Bam Bam. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's been fun to be able to, to be, uh, you know, some people say I'm a great drummer, and I say I'm an adequate drummer. I don't, I don't like to say things like that about myself. I love to play the drums. I love to spend time with my dad. You grow up, you move out, you have your own kids. It seems like life just gets away from you. That's on a Saturday night if we're playing music, you know, it's it's dad time and it's it's fun to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, other than you know, fishing, camping, uh, I I don't I, I'm not a hunter. I, I want to learn. I just have never done it before, and I don't know if I have the patience to sit up in a blind that long to to wait for that one big deer to come out. I don't right. know if I don't know if that's for me. I'd like to try it one time. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm just I'm just looking forward to what my kids accomplish in life, and, and I'm proud of them. And and Aubrey's going to be a high school history teacher. Hopefully, gets a job going in the next school year. And I'm just looking forward to what the Lord has in store for us all. Absolutely. So you mentioned playing drums with your dad. You look forward to that. Is that where you got like the fishing from? Was uh, My dad is, uh, he's a fisherman. He's, he's not a diehard like I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I learned a lot of my outdoor stuff from, from my grandpa Lovely. Okay. Um, I spent at least a month during the summer. He had a trailer. We put down what we called the back country. Uh, he owned a bunch of land back there, and there was a little pond back there, and, you know, he would hunt, and, you know, we'd eat what we what we got, and we'd just hang out, and that's where I learned most of my stuff from. Dad taught me the the fishing aspect of bluegill fishing, crappie fishing, and actually, uh, you know, Neil is the one that's taught me the most about bass fishing, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm really enjoying that. I was a big cat fisherman. I, I, would, I wouldn't even bat. I didn't have any bass tackle at all, but... Uh, Neil got me onto that. I love fishing, love spending time with him. Mike Thomas is another one. You know, Mike, Mike's a great fisherman and love spending time with him. Um, yeah, I just, I'm just really grateful for what I have and I'm looking forward to what the Lord has in store for us. Absolutely. I, I don't know why it popped in my head as you were saying that, but it was, I think it was because I had had the idea earlier in the week, but I guess I'll ask you, have you ever done ice fishing? Yes. Yeah. Uh, to great success, or would you do it again? Um, I haven't had real a whole lot of success around this area. Um, our family has a cabin at Indian Lake, so I do ice fish down there occasionally. And every time I go down there, it's been fantastic. Okay. It's just it's an hour and ten minutes to get there, and there's no heat in the cabin. Okay. So that's. It's tough to get down there and want to stay the night, and it's tough to want to drive down there to fish and then drive right, an hour right. ten back. Yeah. But yes, ice fishing's I, I love to do any type of fishing. Okay. So I've only like when I when I think of the idea. So for instance, like, you know, you are more of a fisherman. I'm more into hunting. We've got that. It's kind of like you know you cheer for that that ugly. The Big Ten champions. Yeah. Yes. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> you had to bring it up. You had to bring it. Up. But. Um, <laughs> When I when I picture ice fishing in my head, for some reason, all I can picture is uh, that movie, Grumpy Old Men, where they just have those little tiny shacks built yeah. out on the lake. Is that what it's like, or not so much? Uh, I don't use an ice shanty or anything like that. I mean, I'm I'm in shorts every day, except for when I go to work. Mm-hmm. That's when I have to wear khakis. Yeah. But I don't uh, I don't get cold easily. The cold doesn't bother me. So I'm just out there with a hole in the ice and 
you know, stocking cap and gloves and a coat, and I'm, I'm good to go. Now, there is a lot of people down at Indian Lake that have these big shanties like what you're talking about, and, you know, they're, they got a TV in there and the satellite <laughs> up top, and it's like, I'm not going fishing for that. Yeah, that's you know, too much. If the fish aren't biting, I'm going to go home. How, now, how, how thick does the ice actually have to be for you to be on the ice like that? I can't swim. That, okay. that, that might be one thing that a lot of people don't know about me, but I cannot swim. Okay. So for me to go out on the ice takes a lot of courage. Um, I don't like to go out unless it's at least six, seven inches. Okay. So um, if it, just like I didn't go out last winter because it never, it didn't get thick enough for my liking. No, so. I think we really only had that, that Christmas weekend was real cold. And, and that, that was, was that so. was about it? Yeah, and that was, which... For my profession, I'm thankful uh, yeah, for. <laughs> yeah, yep, you're out in it every day. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. So before I get to the next couple more topics, um, just as because this season I'm calling it getting to know mm-hmm. so-and-so. Um, you love drumming, you love music. Another thing that we're kind of opposite in, I love country music. You told me you can't stand it. So I guess uh, I know you're a big Dave Matthews Band fan. Um, but you're big into drummers, so give me a couple of your favorite drummers, and maybe just a, or just a couple of your favorite bands slash musicians in general. Carter, and, Br- you, and you don't have to say your wife's singing voice either. <laughs> <laughs> I taught her everything she knows. <laughs> no, yeah. um, Carter Buford from Dave Matthews Band, uh, phenomenal drummer. Uh, he, he is a offbeat accent jazz type player, and that's who I listen to to challenge myself to get better. Uh, John Bonham, Led Zeppelin, fantastic drummer. He was way ahead of his game back in the 70s. Uh, Neil Peart, he, he was uh, the drummer for Rush. Uh, king of drum solos, in my opinion. Uh, and I'm talking drums here, but he, you know, he, he was the king of the 16-tuplet role. Uh, just those, those three guys are who influenced me, along with you know, the drummers that my dad had prior to me, um, I probably would have been in the band when I was 10 or 12 years old, but my mother would not let me because she didn't want me in bars as a 10, 12 year old. Um, so there was, there was three or four guys, uh, from the eighties all the way into when I started in 97. Um, you know, those guys always, if I'd show up at a gig that they had, they never hesitate, you know, go play. Yeah. And I'd go up and play. So, you know, there's been a lot of influence. Dad, my dad was a bass drummer in the high school band, so he does have some percussion in his blood. Um, so, you know, he bought me a drum kit, you know, I can, it was a 1967 Ludwig little four piece kit. And yeah, it, it wasn't anything to look at, believe me, but as a three year old to be able to go down and jam with your dad. And you know, that, that was, I remember that, you know, almost every night of the week if i'd ask him to go jam he'd go jam with me so that's awesome that's awesome well i'll save the uh advice thing uh but for the very end but before we uh start talking to the movie do you have anything else you want to add or before we get to that no i think i think that's probably enough okay yeah i think you did a great <laughs> job um so i'll, I'll put a a little spoiler alert out there if you haven't seen the movie and you intend to See Yes, see it first of all, but pause this, stop it until you see it, um, and then we'll go in five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so you got your warning. Um, so Nate and his wife Kim and his daughter and my wife Rochelle and I, 
we went and watched the movie The Blind on Thursday, um, which was actually, coincidentally, Rochelle and I's 10-year wedding anniversary. Um, it is the background-slash-origin story of the Robertson family, specifically Phil Robertson, and the rise of Duck Commander and later hit TV show and Duck Dynasty. Um, shows at the beginning, Phil... Grew up very, very poor. Um, his wife or his mom had some mental issues and would fly off the hinges sometimes. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of you listening to this, if you're a podcast listener, um, I know your wife and you listen to Unashamed quite a bit. Uh, that's been brought up and on the duck call room and all that. But um, at the beginning, shows her kind of having one of her outbursts um, when their dad, because they said their dad would go out for but like a month or so at a yeah, time. He was gone for a month. Yep. Yeah. And she would fly off the fly off the handle. And that was like the first, uh, not that part, but when he went out hunting and then heard the ambulance coming and he's running, when Phil's running back, I'd say at that point, it, he was probably like 11 or 12 being portrayed. Yep. That, that was the first part I started to get emotional because when his little sister came up and gave him a big hug and like, you know, protect us and then earlier side said do we have that blood and that part got to me because i was just like oh man i i want to hug my siblings right now because not that i've had anything crazy like that happen in my life but they're i'm the oldest of my siblings and a lot of times they're texting me and calling me and asking me for advice or if they've got a decision to make that they're not ready to talk to my parents about yet so that one got me specifically with my sister that uh, lives in Texas. Um, I really thought about her at that point. And it was one of those signs from God too, that I got out of the movie and we were chit chatting afterwards and I got in my truck and looked at my phone and my mom had sent me this screenshot of this post my sister had made on Facebook and I'd have to go back and find it, but it was this long poem and it said to my big brother and basically just about, you know, the fond memories of us growing up and playing in the house and that now that we're adults and aren't around each other all the time, she still has that image of me. And that got me even worse than the movie did, but it was just one of those signs that I was like, wow, okay. I, there was a reason I felt that way in the movie, but, um, then it goes on. Uh, what well, do you have anything you want to add to that? Part? Uh, it, it hit home with me too. Cause, uh, I've, I've lost a, a sister. Okay. So, uh, you know, brought back some, younger memories of when we were children and you know loving relationship some things you know devil got a hold of her and uh it turned out for the worst yeah uh, so yeah they hit home with me too yeah yeah that that moment that was that was the first of many in there that i was like again i wasn't uh i wasn't weeping like our wives were but uh there was felt it i, I definitely felt it um and then i would say next it moved on to it showed a lot of Phil hunting. That was where he liked to be in the outdoors. And actually in the blind podcast leading up to the movie, um, I like how his brother Cy referenced it. He goes, here's this guy that spent his entire life in God's creation, but he didn't know God. And that was, they, they portrayed that very well. And yeah, and same thing, you know, you're out yep. fishing and everything else yep. until you found him. Same here. And then it goes on to him. Uh, in college, um, 
or I guess, no, they're still in high school, so he starts dating Miss Kay and <laughs> dumps her for hunting season. And then yep. uh, it's hunting season. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was a, that was a big pop in the theater. Yep. And then, uh, they get to in college and they get married and everything was portrayed kind of all right at that moment. But then once he, gra- well, he, he gave up football. Um, for those of you who do not know this, um, I said in the first podcast, I'm a huge Pittsburgh Steeler fan. Phil Robertson was the quarterback at Louisiana tech and his backup was Terry Bradshaw, four time Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't know if they, just added that to the movie or if he really gave him his nickname as the blonde bomber. Yeah, I had never heard that until then. And I was scratching my head as well. Um, read a lot of books that Phil has written and, and some of the stuff that he goes into about that. I had never heard that. Yeah. I, I didn't know if he gave him that I've heard as Terry referred to that forever. I mean, they'll still call him that sometimes yep. on Fox NFL Sunday, but yeah, maybe he did. I, I, I had also, they said it on Duck Dynasty back in the day about Bradshawing people and when they mm-hmm. put the potato sack over his head yep. when they were on the boat so he wouldn't find yep. his fishing hole. But uh, then it got to Phil graduated college and gets this teaching job. And that was the one confusing part to me. Maybe you picked up on it more than I did. So was that Big Al guy like the principal or the superintendent i couldn't really i figure i couldn't out. figure out if he was in administration or if he was a, a just a fellow teacher i i didn't get that either yeah there was a little confusing part because like the interview was at the bar and so at first i thought he was applying to work at the bar so was i yeah and then because my wife she goes wait so is he working at a bar or at a school i'm like i think both <laughs> yeah that was, that was a little confusing yeah so Basically develops a couple drinking buddies and, uh, you know, develops a drinking problem. And yep. it, it snowballed. It showed the snowball effect, you know, have having a couple beers at work and then that part where I've got to get home, Miss Kay's got a dinner waiting on me. And then I'm not coming home till two wee hours of the morning. evening, yes. And, you know, she kept kept going along with it, kept going along with it. Um, <laughs> and she didn't like the drinking and then they end up buying a bar and living on top of the bar. And that's really where things went off the rails. And, um, at that point, um, he was really deep into his alcoholism and they got into an argument wasn't it? Oh, she had, was waitressing, mm-hmm. and he thought that she was flirting with someone, which was his own insecurities. Because I mean, self-admittedly, he has. And in the movie, you know, he was having affairs. It later came out that during an affair, he had another daughter, um, and so his own insecurities led to that. And you know, it, normally it's the woman that says, "I'm leaving," and in his drunken haze, he kicked. Uh, his wife and three sons out of the house in the pouring rain and basically goes off the grid for a little while. Um, they had went to Phil's sisters and that was another part. Uh, I, I hadn't heard that. Maybe I'd missed it in earlier interviews and podcasts um, when she's in the bathroom and looking at that bottle of pills. Yeah. I, I hadn't, I hadn't heard anything that she had those thoughts uh, n- never in a book or anywhere. So that, that one was another head scratcher for me. Yeah. She just was on 
either early no because this is tuesday last later last week she was on an episode and brought that up that she was in that bathroom and had those thoughts and then (laughs) their son came knocking at the door and she knew that wasn't the thing to do basically to take her life and um i guess that's the part we left out was when phil's sister brought the pastor the pastor into the bar into the bar and that part was awesome i wish i could have the exact words but what you what you selling mister or something is what phil said yeah what you peddling uh preacher man preacher man yep but but there was that part where phil gets mouthy and like bulls out his chest like he's gonna fight and the the pastor said something uh, back basically uh the he, Lord says, I need to forgive you, but he doesn't say... Yeah, I, I can't remember the exact quote either, but it was spot on. Yeah, he basically said, you know, I'll lay you out. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it got mediated. He, he kicked him out of the bar, and uh, I thought that was a, a telling point, though. His his sister never gave up on him, even nope. at that point. was like... And they said it at the end of the movie, if he finds Jesus, he will lead thousands to them yep. and that is 100 percent correct and all that you know that's what really hit home with me how many times did i do that to my wife mm-hmm. go out to the bar go out fishing go out doing whatever and come home you know intoxicated whatever time it was it was i didn't i didn't care at that point yeah how many times did i do that to her and you know back to you know why i i ch- changed what i changed you know I didn't want to be without my wife. My kids were a roof over my head. I'm like, ooh, you know, all those things just come and hit you. And that really hit me when he was going through that. It was, I felt so bad for what I had done to her. And I, I she was bawling yeah. through that, that time frame of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my wife and I had had similar fights back in the day. And there was a lot of emotion in that part. And so he kicks the kids, the wife and kids out there. He go to stay with his sister and his sister says, go talk to my pastor. I believe his name was Bill Smith mm-hmm. um, and see what he see what he can help you with. And she shows up there incredibly vulnerable and basically is like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, but Jan says you might be able to help us out. And she just she was at her weakest point, didn't know where else to turn. She begging for help. Yeah. And she grew up in the church but obviously had had drifted away as well so the pastor sets them up with a place to live and months go by without phil being in the picture at all Um, she gets a job they're going to church regularly and one day i believe it was jace that said he wanted to go see Phil. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of what you were talking about, like seeing that part. Um, his uncle Cy comes back from the war and figures out where Phil is at. And he's in this rickety camper in the middle of the woods, no power, beer cans, everything's a mess. And um, they didn't say this part in the movie, but they said it in podcasts and interviews that Sai said he brought him out there and Phil just looked like a wild animal. Mm-hmm. You know, he could see the devil in his eyes. And I was actually listening to today's episode of Unashamed and uh, they, they had asked Jace, you know, do you remember your dad being baptized and all this? And he brought up 
you know, remembering, eh, you know, I haven't seen my dad in a while. I'd, I'd like to go see him. And he got there and he said, the second I saw him, I was like, nope, <laughs> this ain't it. I, I, yeah, I they didn't want to give him a hug or no. they didn't speak to him. Yeah, he was like, what, you don't want to give your Paul a hug? No, they, none of that. No, he, he was not himself. And that was the rock bottom. So side takes him away. Oh, and that's another, that is another thing we got to, we're going to have to keep backtracking. Um, as I said, Cy, that was one thing that in interviews, podcasts, the movie, everything, Phil's wife, Kay, has said that when she was young, her grandma said, there's going to be a point in life where you're going to have to fight for your marriage. And she says, what are you talking about? We're going to live happily mm -hmm. ever after and everything's going to be rainbows and butterflies. And it obviously wasn't, but she stuck it out, you know, even when everybody was telling her, leave him, leave him. You've got a biblical reason to leave him. And she didn't. And even his own brother, Cy, said, you know, it's okay. You know, you don't deserve this. And, and she certainly didn't, but she stuck it out. And um, so at that point, it, it, it had showed, you know, he's in that trailer. He had this truck that he was drunk driving, smashes it into a tree. And he's at the lake or the pond river wherever they're at and basically he, he sees his sons in a reflection then he sees himself as the devil and just starts beating the ground you know kind of like you were describing earlier just all the emotions hit him at once what am i doing what am i doing um i don't know if you had anything you wanted to add to that it, part every everything that we've just talked about is exactly what i put myself through and my family through so very touching uh uh, just embarrassing and that's how he described it as well but uh, the uh, we'll get to that later i guess but um so he shows up to his wife's job as she's at work one day and basically he's broken says, broke can't eat can't drink wants his family back and she she doesn't shut it down completely but she's basically like you know or he says, I'm done drinking. Mm -hmm. And she goes, I, those, those words don't mean anything nope. anymore. I need action. You know, I, I'm not just taking, taking it at face value anymore. So she goes back to work and then I'm trying to remember the exact thing that happened. That, oh, so then that's when the pastor came out to the trailer. <laughs> that was the funny part. Yeah. Cleaning all the beer cans. He's like, Phil, we can do this outside. Yeah. And he's cleaning everything up and talks to him, you know, shares the word of God with them. And um, that was kind of a, a quick part. They had a conversation um, and basically said he, he, was, he was ready to find the Lord. And the pastor told him, you know, that old you's got to die. And fast forward to they're, they're at the lake and getting ready for this baptism. And at that point, they dunk him in the water he's baptized and they've even admitted at that point like they were happy but a little reluctant mm -hmm. still still a little reluctant and it's then it fast forwards to it's you know christmas time and so before we go on that there was a there was a part right there when they were at christmas and later on in the movie when uh oh so the movie's kind of told not so much in a narrator's point of view, but he's telling a story 
to who you later find out is the guy that basically got him into all the drinking. They call him Big Al. So it starts the movie. They're in the duck blind getting ready to duck hunt, duck hunt and he's sharing, you know, how this happened to him. And so later on in the movie, see them all just out of the lake hunting, having a dinner out there. And that's where I took this note and said, you know, we'll touch on that later is the things that, that the Lord gives us the, gives us the things we need and not so much the things we think we need and the things we want. And I really related that part to that movie because as I, and my wife and I had this conversation on the way home, I'm like, I think that's a big part of why there are so many people that don't have faith right now. We have too many things that are occupying our time. And, you know, you can sit there as a parent and be like, oh, those darn Xboxes and PlayStations and everything else. But we're all just as bad with these dang cell phones. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I made it a point to purposely get rid of social media and all that stuff so I could focus on reading my Bible. And I said it on the first podcast, like when I would go to the Y and after my workout, I would do the sauna or the, the spa or whatever before work. And I would read that book that Neil handed out mm-hmm. at the, on the fishing charter. But so back to the movie, it's uh, it's it's Christmas time and he's been attending church regularly, reading the Bible, and he's by all accounts all in. Mm -hmm. And we all know that because that's kind of the nice thing that was about this movie, too, is, you know, I said spoiler alert at the beginning of this, but also we know the ending. So you're just happy when you go see it. And so it's Christmas and. The boys show up. Uh, yes, the boys <laughs> show up. They they track them down. They're living in this, uh, I believe it was still the same house yeah. that the church was letting yep. them have, and basically said, let's go out hunting, let's get drunk, let's pound some beers. And he comes out and he says, that Phil Robertson you're looking for is dead. You know, y'all go on without me. And uh, they're just kind of like, what? what What happened to you? What happened to you? And, you know, you see the, the look in his wife's eyes and, I've seen that look before with so certain friends of mine, and I knew exactly that moment. Like, yeah, she she had some doubts right there. Mm-hmm. And, and his brother has said it before. That was the, the strongest he's ever been when he looked them in the eyes and said, that guy you're looking for is dead, and he ain't coming back. He's buried. And I think that point, so, and that was kind of a weird uh, visual twist they did because they show him, getting his thermos ready and so i'm thinking yeah i thought oh no he's not going i know i was like (laughs) and i already knew the answer i know but i'm like is there something i don't know (laughs) and then uh so they make it look like he's getting ready to go out there and you know start getting drunk and hanging out with these guys he he was taking his boys hunting yep taking them out and just the the sunlight through the trees staring at the sky and god's creation with his sons like it just it it gave me so many amazing chills like just the feeling and the relationship that I've had and I'm sure you've had with your daughters, you know, when you're not clouded by alcohol or Mm -hmm. something like that. And gosh, it was, it was an incredible, incredible moment of that movie. Just the, the triumphant part right there. So then it's, uh, the day after Christmas now and, uh, or the evening of Christmas, I guess. And, one of his sons is running around playing with one of those slide whistles that he had grabbed from the tree at church and Phil sees it and says, let me see that thing. And I think he says it kind of sounded like a pintail. 
and starts modifying it as he's sitting there at the table at night and basically shows this was, you know, the creator creation of the first duck call for Duck Commander. Um, so that's kind of the last you see in that era. You know, they, they've reconciled, but she knows it's, you know, still going to be a long road. Um, then it wraps up as him telling telling that story to the big owl guy in the duck blind this is years later i think it was set in 85 at that point. correct yep and the guy tells him you know i've got days weeks months maybe two years at most to live has this aneurysm in his heart and that was why he wanted to talk to him to to hear the word of the lord and how how he was saved and how he got away from that that troubled lifestyle and the devil away from jesus in him and baptizes him had like i said they're sitting there at that table by the lake having that dinner and that was that was the feel-good part where you're just like i said right there's all you need you need your family and god's creation and outdoors we don't need anything else that's what he provided us and that's what we that's that's all we need (laughs) i agree 100 percent um i'm i'm no longer on facebook it's been over two years another great thing get rid of that don't need it yeah uh if you want to live in drama world continue to have it if not get out of it yeah and like i said i had that conversation with my wife and uh, that night when we were laying in bed i was telling her i'm like you know it's amazing since since i found the lord and came to this church and made the changes in my lifestyle and in my parenting and my own life and the relationship with my wife like i used to and this is going to sound terrible, but I used to despise worship music. I could not stand listening to it. Me too. It. Yeah, I could not stand it. But now, like, my, as soon as I start my truck in the morning to go to work, I've got it on K-Love, and I love the music. And same thing, I used to listen to this terrible radio show out of Cleveland every day. And about two years ago, about the same time we started getting here, they just they were bashing religion, bashing the beliefs I have, you know, not just politically, but period. And I was like, what am I doing? And just the things they were doing on the show, I, I just, I'd grown past that. And I've noticed that in the music I listen to and the TV shows I watch. And and that's for myself. I mean, I've always been, you know, I was always hypocritical with my kids. Like, you don't need to be watching that stuff. Meanwhile, I'm, you know, I'm watching whatever I want, listening to whatever mm-hmm. I want. But yeah, you eliminate, eliminate those things for your life. And then you, you start seeing like I said, I never thought I'd be the type of guy that was listening to K-Love in the mornings, and now that is part of my daily routine. Same with Unashamed and Family Goals and the Duck Call Room. Like, I'm wanting to listen to the Word of God and not so much the the terrible things that are going on in the world. And it's it's the way that I want to live. Exactly. I, I, I listen. I I did all the things you just mentioned. You know, terrible. You know, listening to radio shows that you know. Not what the Lord wants you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, when my when I got into my wife's car and it was on K Love, first thing I'd do is I'd bump it over to a rock and roll station, yep. and she'd get mad. And then you know I don't do that anymore. I turn it up. Yeah, exactly. You know I listen to it. Yeah. Um, occasionally I'm a rock and roll drummer. I want to listen to some rock oh, yeah, and roll. Same with me but you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the time at work, yeah, you know, I'm 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 on K Love, and yeah. I'm texting my wife saying. Hey, I'm in Sandusky today. I can't find K Love. Could you look up the station for me? Yeah. 
and then she'll text it back and I'll, I'll listen to it. Yeah. So yeah, ab- absolutely. Get, get rid of all those things that are just a negative aspect in your life and just, you know, look at the positive things and, and continue to grow with the Lord and everything will work out. And that's a great thing too. Like, you know, there, there is so much negativity and that's what like a lot of those shows and, you know, some podcasts, not, not so much podcasts, but radio shows and social media and stuff like that are going to focus on that. But there is not an, and it used to be Skip and Amy and now uh, it's Amy and Carlos that are on the morning show. And it's all positive the entire time, you know, interspliced with the music. And like this morning they were talking about funny first date stories and just something to laugh at, something to smile about, something to make you feel good. I mean, that's their tagline, you know, positivity and good music. But it's it's amazing the changes that have been made. And like you said, occasionally you want to listen to rock and roll. I, I'm, I haven't given up listening to country music, mm-hmm. but I even told her that night. I'm like, the country I used to listen to, you know, I'm sure – in your mind, all country songs are about your dogs and dirt roads and trucks. I, and I understand. Right. the. I, I will listen to old country, you know, Hank Williams, yeah. Junior, Senior. My grandfather listened to that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I just, I'm not big on the, the new country no, stuff. No, and I understand that. But I told her, like, I used to listen to the songs that, like, I could relate my lifestyle to, like, all the country songs about drinking beer. Yep, <laughs> and, yep. And I, I just... Now I try to not find those songs. Like I'd sent that one in the group chat the other day that's called cancel. And even if you're not a country fan, I recommend looking it up because the lyrics are great. Um, Basically he, the tagline of the song is I'm living this life that the devil's trying to cancel and excellent lyrics from beginning to end, you know, talks about it is a good country song. Yeah. His sons, you know, not be not, not allowing them to put someone down and it's great. But anyway, so then the movie, uh, it wraps up at that point with kind of, you know, a lot of movies will end with with some writing. And the man that he baptized did pass away three months later um, from that aneurysm, you know, continues to say, uh, and it said there at the movie that Jan told her husband one day, Phil finds the Lord, he'll lead thousands. And I, I, I would... I would actually say that's millions. probably pushing millions. Yeah. Um, he's definitely influenced my life. Um, Mine too. You know, was a huge fan of Duck Dynasty, but uh, the podcast and the books, everything that he has done, he has been a great leader to follow. Um, I even told Rochelle one day, because uh, they kind of talk about their church all the time. I was like, man, I really wouldn't mind going to West Monroe one day and attending one of their services. And, I was telling you after the movie, they were just in Ohio in June mm-hmm. for those Mount Eaton days. So I think we're going to try to figure that out. It'd be next fun year. just to take a week down there and just go look at Duck Commander, yeah. attend a service. Yep, the Bible study. You know, all that. All yeah. that yeah. yeah. It would be incredible. It, I, I would love that. But uh, so it ends with all that writing. A, a, a funny note if you're a Duck Dynasty fan, as you know, uh, it said. And as a surprise, Duck Dynasty was a huge hit. And as a surprise, Uncle Cy <laughs> became a huge phenomenon. And then it said lower below that, but it wasn't a surprise, to Uncle Cy. And so that that got another big chuckle out of the crowd there. Um, and then it had uh, an I Am Second. And for those of you that aren't familiar with that, it's uh, IamSecond.org is a website where it's it's mostly more high profile people, but there's average Joes on there as well that give their testimonies. Um, a lot of them similar to what Nate did uh, on the camping trip at the fishing charter and how they found the Lord and, you know, kind of what guys are saying on this podcast. And 
he reads from the gospels and at that point that's how the movie ends and i think it is probably the best film at least the the one that has meant the most to me that i've seen in the theaters if not ever in a long time i i highly recommend it uh it is a it's called a fathom event right now and i know they were guaranteed one week in the theater so those of you if you're listening to this on release day it'd be wednesday october 4th you might only have a couple more days to see it um, i know it sounds like i'm plugging the movie but uh, i'm honestly just trying to share it because it was that incredible that moving and they've said the response that they've gotten on it uh the, the people that have decided to come to the lord and get baptized has been overwhelming and I cannot say enough good things about it. It it was awesome. It was a great time going with you guys, and I, I wish they made more movies like it because they would get my money any day of the week. Mine too. Honestly, I can't wait to watch it again. Um, I want to watch it with my son. Honestly, and mm. I mean he's he's younger, but he's watched all those shows with me, listened to the to the podcast with me, and I want him to see that. Um, I'm sure in his mind at first uh, his favorite part will be seeing terry bradshaw there for a minute <laughs> or actually no he li- he likes uncle si a lot so he'll like seeing uncle si as a little kid but i do think he'll uh he'll understand the deeper meaning of the movie i'll i'll definitely uh be interested in that and i'm honestly i i'm gonna bring it up to someone probably pastor paul but once it uh if if not a lot of people have a chance to see it once it gets released for streaming or on dvd blu-ray whatever i thought about even trying to have a screening here absolutely I think that'd be cool put it up on the screen here and just kind of have an adult movie night and I, I think that would be really cool um did you have anything you wanted to add any more about the movie or things that stuck out to you you know obviously you know just it was a very very serious deep moving movie uh a couple funny parts that you mentioned you know uncle size uncle size mm-hmm. you know man of the lord but he, man, he is—he is a hilarious guy. Um, just go see it, yeah. uh, you know. And I will say, I would have went to see it even if I hadn't found the Lord, yeah. just because I was a Duck Dynasty fan the whole time, and right. you know, I just loved that. But it wouldn't have meant anything to me. No, but that's a good point. Is if there's someone that's at that point, it might—it might, it might that move will them. it could sway them, yeah. and that's exactly. It's exactly what needs to happen. So, but it meant it meant everything to me. Uh, it 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 hurt a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, you know, fantastic movie. Go see it. I'm in for if it costs money to get the the movie. I'm in to support yeah, that. I think and it'd be cool. you know, it'd be great to have something here at the church for that. Yeah, and and that was a thing they were offering. Uh, if you didn't have it at a theater within 30 miles of you that they could have had a screening at a church, but obviously we had, yep. we have Cinemark there in Ontario, but yeah, I, I think I'm going to look into that cause I don't think it'll be too long. Um, but unfortunately it's not going to be there long. So if you do get a chance in the next week or so, highly, highly, highly recommend to go watch it. Two thumbs up from me, two thumbs up from my wife. Um, I, I haven't got to talk to many people that have seen it yet. Um, uh, so I had, but I know on Rotten Tomatoes, it's getting a ton of great reviews. They're getting a ton of feedback. I, an impressive feat, honestly. Um, it, it debuted at number four this week at the box office. 
which is extremely impressive because it's a Fathom event, which not all theaters have Fathom events, period. Plus, it's not at a lot of theaters. It was only at ours and maybe Worcester in an even remotely close area. So for it to do that means that there was a lot of people looking forward to this, and I guarantee it touched a lot more. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I don't have too much to say. Well, I guess one more thing that I thought about is there's there's a lot of stories and a lot of you know celebrities. See, I don't even honestly look at them as celebrities because they talk. You know, like I said, when I want to go see them at that service at their church, they they're the ones there you know their oldest brother uh alan mm-hmm. is is the preacher there and phil does the bible study like they're approachable people they're they're down to earth people they are genuine there's a lot of people that i i don't sometimes believe to be as genuine and they are and you look when when he said he would touch thousands and we said millions like just at their family alone you know his granddaughter sadie's got this podcast and is reaching out to the younger audience and He's doing that show with two of his sons and just spreading the word of the Lord. And then, you know, his his brother Cy and the guys at Duck Command are doing one. And it is all centrally focused on the Bible. They do not sway from that. And with every mistake they've made, they have they've owned up to it. Um, Phil had gotten into some trouble, well, trouble on social media for some comments he made when Duck Dynasty was being filmed. And a lot of families would have just been like... Uh, yeah, well, uh, sorry, Phil, you're off the show. And they're like, no, we're not filming. We're not apologizing. He's the patriarch of this family, and they stuck by his side. And uh, ultimately, it was their decision to end the show, too. Mm-hmm. They just thought, you know, this is uh, the same what we want to be doing anymore. And All over saying a prayer Yeah. for dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. You know, he didn't back down. I'm, I'm so thankful he didn't. Right, absolutely, yeah. He... Uh, he stayed strong for a lot of believers, and I, I'm very uh, grateful that his family stuck by his side because there's a lot of them that would have been like, "Hey, man, we're we're bringing in the oh, dough." Yeah, they're off making this show. millions off the show, but they didn't care anything about money. Nope. And once they got to that point, they said, "We're shutting it down," and that's we're gonna move on with our lives. And they've kind of built this empire as a podcast uh, network essentially, but spreading the word of the Lord and not backing down from it. Um, and like I said, cross-generational, you know, Phil's age, his son's age, his granddaughter's age, just uh, awesome. And that's kind of where I got the idea that leads me to my next thing. Uh, I, I always end the show with, uh, with, or end the podcast with uh, the guest giving me their best piece of advice they've either either been given or that they have given or whatever. So the floor is yours, Nate. Well, my wife, uh, you know, she had a little input on, on this as I was trying to be funny throughout the week (laughs) as, as Zach knows. Uh, But I always work with great pride and dedication and all you do, you never know who is watching. It hits home with me. Um, the jobs that I have had, I am by myself. I have a boss. I see my boss once every two, three months. But he is going to check up at some point. That one day you slack off could be the day that he goes in. The one day you slack off from the Lord, he knows. Oh, yeah. He knows. Absolutely. So just take pride and dedication in everything you do. Absolutely. I like that. I like that. Uh, just and being accountable. Yep. I, that's what I told my wife with. 
not only being accountable to the Lord, but just, you know, I, I like having my family to hold me accountable. I like having the church and my friends, you know, I, I do this podcast and I do the open gym and, you know, I've got, I'm friends with these guys here at church and I'm like, you know, the last thing I want to do is let these guys down, you know? And so that, that kind of keeps me going and keeps me, uh, strong in my faith and, uh, I couldn't be happier than where I'm at right now, A, in this church and my relationship, uh, my friendships with all you guys. And I think that was another point that I did take away from that movie is, you know, I've I've made the decisions to distance myself from certain friends, and I am yep. super thankful to you guys. It's for not it's not an easy thing to do. I've done it. It's not it's not an easy thing, but you, you have to do it because you know that's that's what the Lord wants and that's what's best for you and your family. Yeah, and like I said, incredibly grateful for the friendship that we've created and all the guys here at church, and it's it's been awesome. And uh, I know that you go out and see this film, continue to come to church, listen to this podcast, talk to the, talk to someone here at church. If you're listening to this podcast and you and I have never had a conversation, you know, I'll probably find you, but if not come up and talk to one of us, we're, we're, we're welcoming people. And I would love to talk to any of you on here. Anybody's welcome. Just a fun, casual, comfortable conversation. Um, I, I can now add a movie reviewer to my resume now, so that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, man, thanks for coming on. Uh, I'll let you get home. Uh, Nate was out on the boat all day. Um, he had his sea legs, and now he's been sitting here for an hour, so he's gonna he's probably gonna be a little wobbly walking down the yeah, steps. So <laughs> probably so. Ready for bed? Yeah, I, I hear you there. I hear you there. Well, again, man, thank you so much, and thank you to everyone that's listening. We'll have another episode next week. Um, I don't have to tease any spoiler reviews or anything. I guess the only things I need to point out are, I believe, yeah, this Saturday's the first men's breakfast, right? Correct. And then. I believe, so we've got all the connection groups going on. The schedules are posted for that. And then I believe, I don't know the time off the top of my head, but I believe Sunday is the first rehearsal for the kids' uh, Christmas uh, concert. So that would be, what, the 8th? Yeah, yeah, October 8th, this Sunday. So the 7th, men's breakfast, Sunday, connection groups, and kids' uh, Christmas rehearsal. And then the following Sunday, the 15th, will be the second open gym of the month. Um, if you've got a kid that's in third through eighth, bring them out. We focus on basketball. I do some workouts with them. We try to get some games and fundamentals going. And then the last 30 minutes, I kind of just let them goof around. You know, the younger ones want to play sharks and minnows and freeze tag and all that. But I really like getting to know these kids. Um, a lot of them go to my son's school, but they're older. But there's a couple that are in like my nephew's grade, and uh, I'm looking forward to just watching watching them grow. You know, see the not just the skills they've been developing in there, but watching them become good young men. And baptisms on the 22nd, yeah, which right. I'm looking forward to, as I did that uh, last year, recommitted myself last September. Looking forward to October 22nd. That's a great point. That's a great point. I forgot about that. So. Pastor Paul said that if you were interested in being baptized, to reach out to him, call, text, come up to the church office, get in contact with anybody, they'll, they'll get a hold of him. But if you're interested in that, um, I would say probably in the next week or two, probably get Soon. that arranged. Yeah. So again, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks everybody for listening and we will see you next week. I don't know off the top of my head who my guest is next week, but uh, tune in next week and you'll figure it out. Uh, we'll see y'all. Take care.